Hey guys, welcome to the Chronic Illness and Me podcast. And continuing on from my last podcast, I am today going to be talking about something very close to my heart. And I'm sorry if I keep stopping because I do have this acid reflux. Oh, I'm doing it again at the moment from my pregnancy. And it's really annoying because every time I talk, I have to stop and kind of like swallow. It's really weird. But yes, today I'm talking about mental health and pregnancy. These are two topics which are massive, massive topics. And they relate to so many people, even people who haven't been through chronic illness, you know, have probably gone through some form of mental health or pregnancy at some point in their lives. Um, But I'm kind of talking about them um, because, you know, mental health is something that's so important and it actually has such a direct correlation to chronic illness as well because, you know what, if you have really poor mental health for a prolonged period of time, it can cause chronic illness, particularly because, you know, the digestive system is so heavily impacted by your mental health. I mean, have you ever had times where you've been feeling really stressed, really anxious, and then all of a sudden you start to feel your tummy and your gut isn't feeling right, or you're needing to go to the toilet more? It's has such, and I do believe, like, for me personally, you know, growing up, I suffered very bad from anxiety. You know, I had this constant fear that something bad was going to happen and sometimes bad things would happen you know like growing up you know I had two parents who didn't get on the best and got divorced when I was a teenager so there was a kind of a lot going on and a lot of stress uh, for me as a young person to have to carry around with me and you know it lasted through my college years through my university years and then I ended up having ulcerative colitis and my brother has Crohn's disease and my brother also suffers from mental health too. So I do believe that, you know, having a long-term mental health condition can also lead to physical symptoms manifesting. I don't know if this has ever happened to you or, you know, I mean, I'm not saying that I found the the cause of IBD because I haven't and nobody knows the cause of IBD or other similar chronic illnesses. But I do think there's definitely you know, some links between mental health. And there has been some studies definitely done on that. But obviously, right now, I'm not going to call them all to hand. And then pregnancy as well. Pregnancy is another topic in which we talk about so much in the IBD and stoma community, because there's kind of, I feel like there's so much more scope for research into this area, because there's a lot of fear mongering about not being able to get pregnant, about, you know, infertility but there's not actually that many facts and statistics kind of back all of this up yet you know it's still something that is being studied today there's been no proof that IBD has an impact on fertility and obviously stoma surgeries and other similar types of surgeries can cause problems with conceiving but there's no actual proof that stoma surgery causes actual infertility in the case that you actually cannot, you know, you, you you can't conceive a child because there's obviously many different ways that you can conceive a child. If you can't conceive a child naturally, you can conceive a child through IVF. And it's worth noting that when you have a stoma surgery or you have a, you know, uh, proctectomy surgery, you're not offered um, egg freezing. It's not something that's offered. Whereas if you have chemotherapy, Um, and other types of treatment, you are offered egg freezing because those types of treatment do directly impact fertility. So the fact that the NHS doesn't offer egg freezing for these surgeries 
kind of tells you all you need to know, really, in terms of the fact that it's not going to impact your actual fertility. It will perhaps impact how you get pregnant. Does that kind of make sense? I feel like when I try to describe this or explain this to people, it's a little bit confusing. Um, but you can always message me if you have any more questions. And remember that everybody is different. You know, everybody has got different illnesses on different treatments so you know you cannot compare yourself with somebody else I feel like you just have to do what's best for you and if it's something that you are you know worried about speak to your GP express your concerns speak to your surgeon you know because surgeons are there to help and well, the good ones are. I do obviously hear some negative stories about surgeons who have told patients, oh, you're not going to get pregnant after this surgery and this, that and the other. It's like, no, that's not the case. It's just how you get pregnant might be affected, not you actually being fertile. That's really important. And it's something that, you know, I'm not just making up. It's something that was explained to me in depth by my surgeon, Dr. Andrew Williams, who practices at London Bridge Hospital and previously worked at Guy's and St. Thomas's Hospital. So, yes, but I obviously read a lot of, you know, negative, scary posts saying, you know, that you can't have children after a stoma or if you have your rectum removed, that's the end of it and all this, that, and the other. And then I was like so worried that I was like, okay, I'm going to have to start trying for a baby sooner rather than later. So I came off the contraceptive pill in January of this year. And I thought it wouldn't happen for me because I was so convinced from all of this negative um, stuff I've been reading. And then to get pregnant by like, God, I don't know what was at the end of February, was insane. Like, I would never have expected that if I had just believed everything that I read online. This is a really important, you know, point, guys, is that you can't believe everything that you read. Take it at face value, you know. And as I said, everybody is different. So, you know, even if one post is saying, oh, this person or this group of people can't, it doesn't mean that you can't. Do you know what I mean? Like, you just can't compare yourself. So I made the mistake of doing that. And then I ended up getting pregnant really quickly. And I was like, not in a way, I was kind of not ready for that because I had expected not to get pregnant. I set myself up for failure only to then be like, holy I'm pregnant and uh, like, you know, I mentally, like I was just not prepared for that, even though we've been, you know, having unprotected sex. In my mind, I didn't think that it would happen like that. So then I had to get my head around that and it was a massive shift because I had all these plans for like this summer and what I was going to do and all of the things that I wanted, you know, because after the last couple of years, I've been through hell, you know, I've had these surgeries, I've been ill it's not been fun so all of a sudden I was hoping you know this summer I was gonna have a blast I was gonna be mm -mm, drinks you know holidays now it's like no you're pregnant you're having a baby wow so that was a lot to take in and at first it kind of didn't really hit me because you know you don't see the scan you don't see the baby it doesn't feel real almost like it's 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 kind of like confusing that you're pregnant when you can't see actual proof of it. And I'm also somebody who is not good at secrets. I can't keep secrets. Like I'm just bad at it. I'm really bad. And I obviously share a lot of my life online because that's what makes me happy. And uh, social media has undoubtedly, you know, almost saved my life because 
through being on here and talking about my journey and connecting with other people, I've felt good in myself with everything that I've been through. If I didn't have this support network, I think I would have like been in a very, very dark place. So I knew I was like, okay, I can't keep this a secret for too long. Like, I want to share this. It is good news, right? And I also wanted some advice and some help and some support from the community because let's be honest, there's not that much positivity about sober pregnancies out there. Um, it's just something that isn't talked about loads. You know, uh, people do share their stories, but um, it's not like in depth and in as much detail as I would like. I'm somebody who loves detail. I love in-depth accounts. I want to know every single thing that happened week to week. So I was like, right, okay, I'm going to do that. Like, I want to share every single low moment, every high moment, every time I've thrown up. Like, I want to share all of that with my followers. So immediately, like, I think when was it I announced my pregnancy? I think it was like week seven. So really, really early. And, you know, a lot of people don't share it that early, which is fine. I mean, it's up to, you know... It's up to you when you want to share your baby news. Nobody can tell you when you should do that. And um, I think, you know, one of the reasons why people share past week 12 is because that's when the risk of miscarriage um, drops. Sorry, I'm doing the acid reflux again. But for me, I was like, you know what? Worst case, if I do have a miscarriage, I'm going to share it to my followers. I know I am because, like I said, I share the highs, I share the lows, I don't hide anything. And if I do have a miscarriage, I will probably tell my followers anyway. So there's nothing for me to be ashamed or embarrassed about. So that's why I shared it so early. And then once I shared it and it was out there, I was getting so many messages and so many responses from people. And all of them were quite positive. And I was like, this is great. This is amazing. I feel fantastic. Week six, I'm like, sorry, week seven, seven I'm like feeling fine. And then I think it was like, yeah, it was week eight when I went to Dubai with my boyfriend, Callum. And I got there and whew, that's when the nausea started to kick in. And I was like, oh, my God, I thought I'd got away with this. I thought I was not going to have this. But now I feel really bad and I feel like I want to vomit everywhere. No one's warned me about this either. I mean, I'm not somebody who knows loads about pregnancy. I'm like one of two siblings. I have only two uncles who have never married, never had children. Sorry, not they have married, but like, I, you know, they don't have kids. So my family is minuscule. I don't know people in my family that have had babies. Um, the only person I've ever had to talk to is my mum. And she like had it maybe so long ago now. She's so old. I'm joking, mum. But like, you know, she doesn't really remember it that freshly what it's like to have babies and stuff. So I was like, oh my God, this is so bad. And then I started speaking to my other friends who'd had babies and they were like, yeah, you know, this is what happens and it can last till week 12. And I was like, oh, week 12? Are you serious? Like, this is not me. I am somebody who likes to be up and at them. Like, I, I, I run three to four times a week and I can't get out of bed now. And it's starting to take me back to this really dark place of when I had my colitis flare-ups and I was bed-bound then. And I started to like panic and I was like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm going back to having colitis flares. Like I knew I, I can't have a colitis flare because I have no rectum and no colon. But like I started to freak out that everything was going bad. And um, yeah, it's been a very dark time. I'm not going to lie about it. It's not been fun. I haven't enjoyed a single moment of it yet. 
I mean, I might do in the days to come when things maybe get better. Like, maybe I'll start enjoying it. But right now, like, I don't want to be somebody who, like, scaremongers anybody about pregnancy either. Because remember, everybody's different. And just because I'm experiencing this, it doesn't mean you're going to experience this. And I also know that it's for a really good reason that I'm feeling so bad. It's not like in the past where I was feeling bad just for the sake of it. Like, this is really something that's quite exciting and positive. And I know that. But at the same time, the way my body feels and my mind feels, I can't ignore it. And it's not nice to feel like this. It's difficult. And, you know, I am now week 12 in the pregnancy, which is when people tell me it gets better. But I'm not feeling better yet. And that's completely okay too, because some people feel rough the whole way through their pregnancy. You know, I think a lot of people don't want to admit that especially doctors and that because they all keep saying to me oh it's gonna get better it's gonna get better but the truth is for some people it doesn't get better and I think we need to be okay with saying that let's stop setting women up for failure and making them feel really bad when they don't feel better let's be truthful and say actually it might not get better I might feel rubbish the whole way through my pregnancy and that's okay because you know what that's normal and I just don't like the way that certain people make you feel as if it's your fault or you're being negative or you're not you know absolutely loving every second of your pregnancy you moany so and so like no like be honest if you're not enjoying yourself be honest don't lie about it don't beat around the bush because sometimes it's just better to let it out than keep it all in there's nothing to be ashamed about you know and it's not that you're ungrateful at all in any aspect because I'm so grateful for this opportunity who who wouldn't be after everything that I've been through I'm so grateful but it doesn't mean that I'm not in agony (laughs) and it doesn't mean that I don't feel depressed every day not because of the baby but because of how I'm feeling it's not nice I've been through a lot than more than probably most people have in my 29 years of life um and I'm at that stage in my life, I'm not afraid to say if I'm not feeling great. Like, you know, I'm not going to pretend and sit here and make other people feel comfortable by saying, I feel amazing. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to say the truth. And if people don't like that, then they don't have to listen. They don't have to follow me, whatever it is. Like, I'm always going to be honest, straight up. Um, so, yeah, it has affected my mental health. And... I don't know, like, I'm on antidepressants, you know, that was another thing as well when I first got pregnant was like, can I take antidepressants? Because, you know, that's not spoken about a lot. Can you take antidepressants when you're pregnant? Can you take painkillers? And there's a lot of medication that I rely on to keep me mobile and active that all of a sudden I'm being told I can't have. So I'm freaking out because I got told, you know, I need to come find antidepressants Uh, and my painkillers. So I was like, oh my God, what? And then I spoke to a few other doctors and they've allowed me to go back on my um, antidepressants, but I'm on a lower dose now. So I was on a very high dose before. I'm on a lower dose now. So I'll be honest, it isn't working as well as it was before because I was super high on the dose. Um, And yeah, of course, I have abdominal adhesions, which I don't know if I've spoken about this on the podcast, but I've spoken about it on my social media. I have abdominal adhesions. This is scar tissue that is formed oh I have spoken about it before on my podcast I spoke about it um when I was talking last time but yeah and actually I did get in trouble because I mistakenly mistakenly said that um adhesions are bits of glue which is my mind got all jumbled up they're not bits of glue they are scar tissue 
performs after abdominal surgery. And what happens is, is that the scar tissue can track the bowel and just make you really sick. I had them really bad last year when I went to Miami. I feel like every holiday I go on, guys, is doomed, by the way. Every time I go away, I am so ill. I'm like, I'm not booking a holiday again now for a long time, so I just cannot be bothered. But, um, yeah, when I went to Miami last year, I had adhesions really bad. Couldn't get out of the hotel bed. I was screaming the place down. It felt as if I was going into labour. That's how bad they were. Um... And then I had my surgery in August last year to uh, have my proctectomy. And when I had my proctectomy done, the adhesions got smoothed out. So then after that, I was feeling hunky-dory and fine. And then, since getting pregnant, it started happening again. <laughs> oh, which is so annoying because I was doing so well. But yeah, the adhesions are back and uh, they hurt so bad. I can't describe really like how bad they they hurt. It's like someone's twisting a knife in your bowel, basically, is how I can describe it. And you can't do anything when they're happening. I just lie in bed, just writhing around in agony. And the doctors can't do anything either. All you can do is take painkillers and hope that they just go away. Um, unless you have surgery. And I'm obviously not gonna have surgery at the moment, so Yes, they've kind of eased off a little bit in the last few days, but my stomach's still feeling pretty rocky. It's not feeling, you know, earlier on today, I was like, oh, maybe I'll do a spinning uh, cart on my Peloton. And uh, no, that didn't that didn't happen. You know, I just felt rough. And if you feel rough, it's okay to feel rough. Don't push yourself. You know, this is the thing with me, especially because like I said, I love exercise. I'm very like outgoing person. It's killing me because I feel as though I'm having to taper everything back. And it, and it makes me feel like, you know, I'm not myself. And I feel guilty that I'm not able to do all the stuff that I want to be doing. But you know what? Like I'm actually growing a baby inside of me. And if you're watching this and you're also pregnant, you know, be gentle upon yourself. You're literally growing life in your belly. It's mad, you know, like, it's it's incredible. And, of course, it's going to be tiring and, at times, painful. That's normal and natural. And it's okay, then, to take time out for yourself to relax and do things that you need to do you know don't feel like you have to please everybody i think we're all guilty of trying to please everybody at some point in our lives we're always trying to say yes to everything and put other people before ourselves um, but that can make you sick too that can make you ill when you're always prioritizing other people you need to prioritize yourself first particularly if you have an illness a chronic illness you've got to make sure that you're sticking to the spoon theory if you don't know what the spoon theory is, the spoon theory is that people with chronic illnesses have 12 spoons every day. And I was reminding myself of this yesterday. So you have 12 spoons that you can use every single day before you basically reach the point of exhaustion. Now, I think it is that getting out of bed is uses one spoon. Um, getting dressed is two spoons. You know, making a meal is three spoons. So, you know, you can add it all up. And once you get to 12, you've reached your maximum. So stick to your 12 spoons. Don't push yourself past that. And I'm really sorry, but I'm not going to be able to do this podcast for longer than 20 minutes because I'm feeling pretty rough and I need to lie down. So I hope that this kind of helps. 
And if you have any more questions about mental health, pregnancy stuff, feel free to message me over on chronic illness underscore and me on Instagram, uh, which is the home of my podcast and on YouTube at Stoma Babe. Thank you so much for tuning in, guys, and have a lovely rest of your week. Thank you.